Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. Hello and welcome to the NSFT Mental Health and You podcast. My name is Dr Lauren Granger, I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm thrilled to be hosting the podcast today from NSFT's staff support service. And I'm really, really lucky to be joined today by two of our fabulous service users, Natasha and Kerry. Hello, both. Hello. 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 So in today's episode, we're going to be thinking a bit about looking after your mental health at work. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about what the staff support service does and uh, chatting to Natasha and Kerry about their experiences of seeking support for when they were struggling with their mental health. So first of all, I wonder if it would be helpful for me to tell you a little bit about the staff support service and what we do. So our service was set up as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, and we run in partnership with Minds to provide support for health and social care staff across Norfolk and Suffolk. So our service is open to all health and social care staff who um, feel like they might need a listening ear, maybe a bit of signposting to other services or resources that might be helpful for them. And we also have a therapy team who are offering a really wide range of uh, psychological therapies. And I think the, the key thing about our service is that we really understand how hard it is to be a frontline worker. We're all frontline workers ourselves, we're all healthcare workers, and we know how difficult that is to switch from being somebody that looks after everybody else to seeking some support for themselves. But we're here to help, we're here to support you, so do reach out and get in touch if you're struggling. And at the end of the podcast, I'll make sure I share our contact details. So um, if you're listening to this and you feel like you, you might need a bit of a chat or a bit of support, you can contact us if you need to. So I'm going to just pause there and turn to introduce Kerry and Natasha, who are our service users joining us. So thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Um, you're both healthcare workers aren't you? So Kerry, I understand that you're a practitioner in a hospital and uh, Natasha, you work in a GP surgery. So gosh, it, it's been a tough couple of years to be a health and social care worker, hasn't it? I mean, it's been a tough, it's been a tough few years to be a person, but particularly working in frontline services, it's been really difficult. And I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about your experiences of recognizing that things were feeling really difficult and thinking about how you you might want to access some support what was what was that like for both of you to be perfectly honest um lauren i didn't recognize that i needed any support um and although i've seen posters you know displayed at work um sort of promoting the services and i was aware of it you know talking to other members of staff i hadn't actually um had an opportunity to use it myself until I had a car accident. Um, I think when I had the car accident after working some extremely long hours, probably like so many other frontline healthcare workers, I think 
that was when the penny finally dropped. And although I think even work colleagues and family and friends had recognised that I was exhausted, overwhelmed and got myself into a really quite sorrowful state, did I really think actually if something had really badly happened from that car accident, my life, my children's life, my husband's life would have been very, very different. And I think that was the wake up call that I needed to reach out and speak to someone about actually what I was going through. Um, So it was an absolute lifeline for me to recognise how hard and difficult things had become. And I think because we're in the um, healthcare profession, I feel to some extent we're almost, the ownership is on us to suck it up and get on with it. And that actually we are not meant to fall down. We are meant to stay strong and support all our patients and care users. And actually we are not meant to get ill in any shape or form. But in reality, we are all human beings and we all struggle with different things. So having that service there to sort of give you the support you need, have someone to listen um, to what I was going through, to recognise and actually fundamentally make me feel that who I was and who I had lost through this pandemic was quite an eye-opener so I was very fortunate I had a fantastic supporter with Leona who is my um, link wife she was phenomenal and the support yeah was second to none and I think if I'd gone for my own doctor's surgery I probably would have been waiting probably several weeks to be fair because we know what the resource is like in mental health as it is um so having someone there who at any point even when she was off, she said, if you need support, you ring, here's another number, there'll be someone to support you. No matter what, even when she was going away for a month, she was touching base with me. You know that actually you had an ally, and I felt that's what I had. It wasn't just someone who I could speak to about my issues. It was someone who I could generally talk to, who could give me advice, who cared, who followed me up, and still continues to follow me up, even six months later, just to check that I haven't slipped back, that I have got the right mechanisms in place. And to be perfectly honest, it's been a phenomenal service and I can't be more grateful. Oh, thank you. So it's so powerful there to hear that journey of right from the beginning. And I think this is probably something which lots lots of people will echo and, and understand is often it takes either something at a real big event to make you think actually maybe I'm not okay or also it takes other people might notice before you and it takes them to say actually I really think you might need a bit of support and that often we hear lots of people working in frontline services throwing themselves into helping other people and find it quite difficult to kind of reflect on their own their own struggles which was yeah really powerful to, to hear about thank you for kind of sharing your your no kind of journey through Kerry what what about you what 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 would you tell us a little bit about your kind of journey into the service how how things were for you during that pandemic and and how you got to need some support okay so um my um situation I suppose is slightly different from Natasha's I was frontline worker um in a hospital um, obviously, overnight we changed. We we became, you know, everybody had a role change. The camaraderie between our colleagues, while we adjusted to the new way of working, if you like, you were you were put in places you'd never worked before. You were expected to cope with situations that you'd never dealt with before. I mean, everybody obviously it was a pandemic. Everybody was dealing with different things. You know, I was coming home and I, I I was supporting. I think this is important as well to say that you know you were coming home and you were supporting your family as well. You know, I've got two teenage 
daughters, one of which who was should have been sitting her GCSEs. Her life changed overnight. The other one was looking forward to going to uni. Her life changed overnight. So it was a whole it was a whole lot of different situations, I think, that we dealt with that year. I would say I was fairly strong at that time. Um, sadly for me, the January I caught COVID. And for me, that was the tipping point. So um, I have now got long COVID. And sadly for me, five weeks ago, I caught COVID 2.0. Um, so my my life has changed incredibly. I've um, I've had to walk away from a job that I love. I'm having to deal with um, a new me, a different me with more health issues. Um, I'm having to consider potentially medical retirement at, at, at quite a young age. So I think it was probably about week eight of long COVID. I mean, I, well, it wasn't long COVID until I hit 12 weeks, but I knew at week eight that actually... I wasn't improving. Nothing was changing for me. Would I ever get well? Would I ever be? Sorry, this is where I start to get emotional. I'm really sorry. Um, with I apologise. You're doing really well. With things actually, you know, how how was this all going to pan out? And and certainly, you know, when I was really, really poorly at the very beginning, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't admitted into hospital or anything. I mean, I should have been, but there weren't any beds. <laughs> but, but when I was sitting there one night, um, and I just come back and they thought I had blood clots and I was sitting watching the telly looking at how many people had died and I'm thinking am I going to be one of those numbers I think that's when the realisation starts to hit that I've put my life on the line for you know patients um, all right I don't know whether or not I got Covid from work or I didn't get Covid from work I, I'm obviously I have no idea but, you know, we all put our lives on the line for our patients. We all went in. I mean, I had a bag packed in the back of my car thinking if I don't get home or staff don't get in, I can stay at work. You know, that's how how we were all working at the time. I mean, it's nuts to think. So it was nuts to think how we were we were working and how we were running and then to suddenly become ill from it and having to live a change due because of it just seems so wrong. And, yeah, I was just really really struggling with um dealing with that with with how how I was going to be how I was going to cope could I go back to work all these uncertainties have suddenly been thrown on me because of what had happened so um that's when I started yeah reaching out for help um as as I've sort of like thought about many times as, as healthcare people we are very very good at looking after others and as I say it's not just people at work it's it, it's your family because you're the one in the healthcare. So people come to you because you're in healthcare, and and they they ask you questions, and you're supporting this huge amount of people. When in actual fact, you're the one really struggling, and we're expected to cope and we're expected to deal with it. But actually, sometimes you just have to say, do you know what, I can't do this anymore. And I think it was the realization of the fact that I was crying most of the time, and that's not normal. And and. So that's when I started to think, actually, I need some help. And I actually got the phone number from my occupational health because they were keeping in touch with me and keeping quite close eyes on me at the, at the time. Sadly, it's not quite the same anymore. And they put me in touch. I mean, I actually went through to mind and very similar to Natasha. I was triaged very quickly and put into the service sort of like literally within days. 
and, and the support started and and like yourself um Natasha you know I've had an awful lot of support and we chat and we you know I do treatments and yeah I, I don't quite know how I'm going to cope when I have to leave her at the moment <laughs> so that's, that's and for you, you you've had it really tough and you're at probably almost the opposite spectrum to me to some extent and I think although I was in general practice working 60 to 80 hours every week for weeks on end coming home feeling like I'm putting my family at risk because I didn't know what was bringing back with me um going to bed with heart palpitations because I'm tired I'm overwhelmed I'm panicking I'm going to make my family my mum was classic is extremely vulnerable and having all those risk factors like you've just said actually it isn't just work it was the whole scenario with the pandemic which is the same for everybody but as yes. you say I think as a mum as well you have that additional pressure um and although I'm very fortunate I had a partner who was working from home at the time and was in a position that he could do that which I'm extremely grateful for um it still meant I still had to think of everything else and actually coming home and having the kids wanting to talk to you and my husband wanted to relay his day and actually I just needed 10 minutes peace and it's awful that actually after a long day I felt dreadful to think I need 10 minutes peace because I can't I just can't think clearly and I think I came home and like you said I got to the point where I was crying every day now I'm a very strong person I've dealt with a lot of my lifetime but I've got to the point where actually things that I'd normally cope with no problem at all I just couldn't cope with and it just become way too much and I think it wasn't until my family and friends said, I think we're going to kill yourself, not physically kill myself, but if they thought I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke from the stress that I was under and the sheer lack of sleep that I thought, my God, my God, I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. And it isn't now until hindsight's a wonderful thing. You don't necessarily recognise it at the time. Um, but looking back, all the signs were there. And to some extent, I ignored them because being a frontline worker, we think we're invincible. We think we have to carry on and stay strong for everybody else. And like you said, Kerry, we put ourselves last. And to some extent, I kind of understand and appreciate that because to some extent we do that in our professions. But the problem is because we've lost sight of ourselves. That's probably the most dangerous thing in a pandemic is doing that, because actually, if we don't look after ourselves, no one else is going to be in a position where they can. So, you know, your ordeal sounds horrific compared to mine, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I know that we've been both very fortunate that we have had the support from the service to help us through what's been a horrendous time for all concerned. Thank you both. It's yeah, just for sharing your stories with us and thank you Kerry for sharing I can imagine how difficult that was to kind of go through and, and relive again as well some of those you know that real image of you sitting there you know worrying about your own health and your family's health and sitting and watching on television how many people were dying from this virus that must just have been awful imaginary you know so traumatic and so thank you for sharing that with us what what was it like when you decided actually I need to I need to ask for some help was that did that feel like an easy decision to make or did it feel quite a difficult thing to go hang on I, I need some I need some help from somebody else here what was that what was that like to do personally I think it it's it's really really tough it's really really tough to actually admit that you're not coping as as I've already said you're already um 
aware of the fact that you're looking after everybody else and you should be able to deal with this. I mean, as I say, I've, I've had many, many situations in my career where I've dealt with death and I've literally had to walk back down a corridor and carry on looking after the living. And you don't ever have that debrief, that downtime, that, right, OK, let's just have a moment. Let's just have a coffee. Let's just process. But actually, you're so busy that you just have to get on and, and park whatever has happened somewhere. So after many, many years of doing that and thinking that I guess you're coping with it, you're suddenly not coping with it. And, and the realisation that actually, if I don't do something to help myself here, nobody else is going to help me. And, and I think it's, it's really, really tough making that decision to actually say, I'm not coping, please, where do I go? Absolutely. And I second that. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think I second that. I think for me, I've got a very strong support network in my family, uh, my parents, my husband, my best friends, and actually even some of my close work colleagues. And I think until the car accident, which was obviously my tipping point for me, the signs, as I said earlier, were there, but it's almost admitting defeat. And I think because I know deep down, I am a very strong person, I don't ask anyone for help. I'm always probably the first to volunteer to help other people to actually reach out and acknowledge that I'm the one that needed help. To some extent, I kind of felt it was like a weakness on my part, which I, I know it's not, but when you're always the strong one, when you're always the one sort of carrying the burden, or so it feels, and probably that's the perception for probably a lot of my friends and family would say that that's just the way that I am. Um, it wasn't an easy thing. I knew it was there, but actually I think having my family listen to me say the same thing over and over again and the cycle not breaking, I think that's when I suddenly thought, do you know what? I just need to vent. I just need to let off steam to someone who doesn't know me, who can validate what I'm going through. My friends and family can see it, but someone who doesn't know me, if they can say, actually, do you know what? This happened because of this, this or this, or they can say to you, you were right, this happened for a reason. What can we do to make it so things are different in the future so you don't make that same mistake again? That was really crucial because actually I hadn't recognised it because, like I said, everyone's telling me and I almost wasn't listening. I was oblivious to what was going on around me, even though I could still see it happening. So talking to someone totally removed who didn't know me from Adam, to me, was great. I think my only fear was... I was always concerned there was going to be some form of repercussions back at work when you've never had any time off sick and you've been there for donkey years and I knew there was going to be some massive ramifications for me being off of the job role that I do and the knock-on effect it was going to have. Reaching out to someone, I, I generally thought I'm just going to have a couple of days off. I never envisaged that I'd have seven weeks. Never, ever. I would never. I'd have put my house on it. That that wouldn't have been the case. But actually, I really needed that time. I felt guilty the whole way through. Don't get me wrong, because I'm conscious of the knock-on effect to everybody else. But for me to be able to get back into the position where I could go back to work and actually taking that step, what was really interesting is that when I did get back to work. The partners came up to me and thanked me for coming back to work because they thought that was it. They didn't think I was coming back. And when you think, Lumineau, that's that's really they they I think even they were just realised how much 
things had spiraled out of control for me. Um, so I don't think it's an easy thing to reach out and get help if you're not that way inclined, but the help is there. And I would definitely say to people, if you don't feel you've got a support network at home or at work, or even if you do have them, there's other professionals who are there who are willing to listen, to give you advice, to give you that guidance and stability that you need to help you get your life back on track when you don't even realise how far down that road you've gone. You can make a U-turn and you can turn things around and get your life back on track just with the support from them. So please give it a go. Thank you both. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting, isn't it, that we, we you know, we find it so difficult often to practice what we preach and we know we, we advocate to our, our, our own patients and our service users to seek help when they need it, to, to not be afraid to ask for, for support, for care, for, for anything. Yet to turn that on ourselves just feels really, really hard to do when actually we know that we can't pour from an empty cup. We can't keep giving and giving and giving and, and not kind of nourish ourselves and look after ourselves. And it's it's really interesting. I think that's something we hear a lot from um from frontline workers about how it's really hard sometimes to, to practice what we preach but we know actually that it's the right thing to do that's that's what we all need um and i just want to pick up on what you said natasha as well around just because we've asking for help from somebody else doesn't mean that we don't have a really good support network of our own but often it does take an outside pair of eyes it takes somebody who isn't in it with us all the time to just have a look and go okay let's think about this together let's have a, a fresh look at it let's explore let's and they might have other ideas and other options and other suggestions which can just feel like a, a breath of fresh air sometimes so can why I, not get someone I else just jump in sorry Lauren, can i just jump in because Actually, one of the things that my my support has blesser has been doing is actually making me look at myself and say, Do you know what? Because I mean, I I actually started on a degree pathway the day I tested positive with COVID, and the whole time I've been poorly, I've been doing a degree. So, you know, she actually says to me, "You're amazing." She said, "You know," and she she looks at what I've done and actually makes me feel proud of what I've achieved whereas again I think that's something we're really really bad at doing we're not good at saying heck, I've done that well at work today we're more likely to come home and go oh I, I forgot to I don't know put the rubbish bins out or I for oh blast I didn't clean that or we're really really bad at coming home and going that was a good day and I think that's where we need to stop and just turn our thoughts around a little bit and come home with that little bit of, you know, come home with a positive and not come home with a negative. And I think we're all very, very bad at doing that. So sorry, I jumped in. No, absolutely. It's really good to hear that. And I think that's a really good point. It is sometimes we need somebody else's eyes to look at things and go, let's have a look at where you're struggling and let's look at the bits that are feeling difficult but let's also look at what you're doing really well and let's look at things that are going really well for you and how can we nurture that part and that's so important we need that because as you say sometimes it's hard to do that for yourself and often when it, when people you know people that are close to us it's hard for them as well sometimes to be able to do that so to have that other perspective is really really important so yeah I completely agree okay so Thinking now a little bit about when you were accessing support and it sounds like you both were uh, allocated your own therapist, your own um, support from our team. What, 
what was it do you think what tell us about that journey through getting that support and what was helpful what did you was there anything that you learned or anything that felt like actually that was a, a really useful thing I think making that initial call I have to say I wouldn't necessarily say I suffer with anxiety but I think my emotions were absolutely bubbling over and abundant um so by the time I done that initial call the person taking the call during the triage I think obviously they were quite concerned because I probably couldn't get my sentences out properly I was just too emotional so they helped me breathe clearly so I could relay what I needed to say and that was just on the very first call because I think at that point you want to just kind of get it all out and done with and there's someone say okay you're better now and then it's kind of done and in my head I was kind of thinking that's all that's going to happen it's just going to be that someone will talk to me they'll say you're fine and off I go and they were so good they took as much time as I needed they didn't rush me um they asked if I had someone present with me if I needed someone or if I wanted them to call me back just while I collect myself and they said they literally explained the whole process this is what's going to happen next you're going to get a phone call tomorrow they're going to go through this system with you you can tell them as much or as little as you like it's confidential I mean they really showed one from every aspect that I had with Dins they showed they cared I wasn't just a number I was a person they made me feel that way and for everyone that I spoke to even when I struggled a couple of days in and I thought because I'd had a call from work and it had literally tilted me over the edge and I thought I don't know what to do I don't know what to do because I wasn't speaking to for the following week I rung them up and they were phenomenal um, they really were they were just like right, this is what you need to do this is how you're going to do it I'm going to put you through the so-and-so and they're going to go through what your next steps are Someone was still able to step in and say, right, that's fine. This is what you're going to do. And actually, it's just that continued support and advice, not just the fact that it's not present, you'll have to wait, which so often, probably especially in general practice, I'm sorry, this clinician's not in for another two weeks, you'll have to wait if you want to see that person. There was someone else who could step in. Um, and fundamentally, that's that continued stability that I needed. So the access was brilliant. I can't, I really can't fault the service. So I'm hoping Kerry probably found something similar. Yeah, absolutely. From the minute I rang up to, again, like um, Natasha, I was triaged. I I don't think I was called back quite so quick. I think I was called back sort of like a couple of days later. And then I was put in touch. Well, I had a couple of conversations with one lady and then it was decided that I needed to sort of like go down a slightly different route. And yeah, and then... I met Liam my life has never quite been the same again <laughs> she's um yeah I, I, yeah she's really made me be able to stop and and move, try and move forward because I suppose you know in my situation it's it's like a loss you know I've I'm grieving um I'm grieving for the me that I had I'm grieving for the job that I had I'm trying to come to terms with what's happened so a lot has gone on really and that that support that I've had from you know from you all has has been incredible um she did actually say that she thought I was coming to the end of my treatment and then I caught COVID again so I think I've got a few more weeks with her which is brilliant <laughs> yay but it's just having that listening ear and, and being able to offload stuff that you don't want to offload with your nearest and dearest sometimes with you know they're they're worried enough about you you know certainly 
as you as you said, Natasha, you know, I've got an amazing supporting family, but you don't always want to offload onto them. And certainly, you know, I'd, I, there's been days where I haven't wanted them to know how scared I am. So to actually have that listening ear and somebody outside of your safety zone, I guess, is 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 brilliant. And again, as I, I said earlier, that you know, to to look at the positives as well as the ne- negatives, to to help you come to terms with what you've lost and to help you move forward. I mean, as I say, I would sit there and I would have half an hour, forty minutes, an hour, and all I'd do was cry. And it got to the stage where she turned around and said, do you realise we've been on half an hour and you haven't started crying yet? And I'm like, yay, I'm getting better. <laughs> so it's it's having that, yeah, that, that support is just so, it's just needed. It's so needed. And it's just, as I say, I couldn't have done it without you. And it's deserved as well, because when you think you put so much into your job, to your patient care, to have something like that in return... Um, is amazing I mean I was just going to say for my link worker um, because it was linking into work I was fortunate to the fact that she was a team manager so she knew how I needed to go about things when I was being contacted from HR and you know gave me advice on that as well which I never would have expected I thought she was there literally just to support me with my frame of mind Um, so to have someone give me guidance on that was well was totally invaluable as far as I'm concerned because she really made it easier because otherwise it was someone else I would have had to have spoken to about I don't know how to go where do I go with this what do I need to do um so yeah I was very fortunate as well and you know I can see and listen to Kerry and how awful the ordeal was for her and I'm very thankful the service was there for both of us to see that things can come out positive as a result of it and although we're probably still on our journey, for both of us, I would say, we're, we've definitely made big steps into the right direction. That's great. That's so good to hear. And, and thank you both for, sh- for sharing. And, and so good to hear the different types of support that you've received and how that, that can be useful. And, and as you say, Natasha, so well deserved. We all need this. You know, it, it shouldn't be a, a real privilege to have. And I'm glad that you've been able to access a bit of support and, and, and when you needed it. That's really good to hear. Okay, so I mean, it's it's clear that even I mean, even though we've passed that kind of real height of that pandemic, many of us are still bearing the emotional and the physical scars from that period of time. And working in health and social care is often very difficult at the best of times. It's it's not an easy job to do. What would you both say to frontline workers who are just feeling at the moment like they're struggling a little bit with their mental health? What advice would you give? What tips? What would you what would you say to those people who might be listening? Um, I think number one is is recognizing that that you're not coping. If you you know look at what you've dealt with, it's actually okay to turn around and say, do you know what, I'm I'm not okay. Um, I've I've seen a lot of members of staff, um, certainly within um, you know within a hospital setting, that have dealt with and they have seen things that you know we've never seen in our careers. And as long as, you know, as I say, we, we're all very, very good at saying, yeah, I can cope. Yeah, I'm fine. But actually look at yourself and say, am I? 
do I need help and support? I mean, I'm I'm very much an advocate of the service, as is Natasha, and and I think we both go around and you know, I certainly tell people about the service. I I do have the phone or I do give the phone number out, and it's a matter of almost not being embarrassed to admit that you you're struggling and to accept the fact that you need help because as we've I've said time and time again we feel that we need to be the strong ones we're the ones people come to we're the ones that are dealing with everything you know elderly parents you know teenage children young children husbands that potentially you know during covid weren't making a living you know there's lots of things that have been going on in people's lives and actually to to be able to get help it's essential so people weren't coping i just say right you know you will get help if you ring this number and you'll get help really really quickly so that's all you can ask for no i think i would second that i think i think acknowledging actually do you know what we've all had a hell of a ride and i'm not talking about just healthcare workers it's been lots of professions who have had it so difficult during this pandemic so i'm not obviously diminishing anything that anyone else has done but those frontline workers who have put their heart and souls and lives and health on the line to help and support the health of carers, you know, patients and even colleagues, you know, those scarrings are going to be there for a very long time. Um, and I think recognising actually you're still standing and you've still done an amazing job. Regardless of the fact that you're still standing, you've probably got scars there that you probably need to deal with at some point. And I think... Don't wait till you get to the point like myself where I've had to wait until I had a car accident to really recognise that how overwhelmed and exhausted I was. I wish I'd used the service sooner, probably when I hadn't spiralled out of control so, so much. But recognising it is probably one of the hardest things. So if you have got friends or family or colleagues who are having these conversations with you, do listen. The service is there. There are people who care. They want to help you get on the right path. So it's fundamentally important that actually you look after yourself first, because actually without you, patient care can't go anywhere. And so as Kerry said, I'm absolutely advocate for this service. Please look after yourself and take the opportunity to speak to these people who will be able to help. Thank you so much, both of you. Um, it's so powerful to, to hear that from you and to hear your stories. And it's... Um, it's so brave of you to, to come on here and, and be prepared to, to share things that have been really, really difficult. And we appreciate it. and so grateful for you sharing your stories with us today. So thank you ever so much. I'm aware that we're coming sadly to the end of our podcast episode. But before we finish, I do just want to share the details of our service for anyone out there who might be needing a bit of a, a, a bit of support. So um health and social care workers across Norfolk and Suffolk are able to self-refer to our service. So we offer a, a confidential support line, which is open Monday to Friday, 9.30 till 4.30. And that number is 0300 123 1335. Or you can just send us an email at staffsupport at nsft.nhs.uk. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight. Do rate and review Mental Health and You and follow our social media accounts. They're all in the show notes. 
And more than anything, look after yourself. <laughs>